well, good morning again. Welcome to those who arrived while the lights were out. We are we're glad you're here. Um, glad all of you are here this morning. For those who are listening online, tuning in that way, uh, it's great to have technology that helps us sort of stay on the same page as a church and uh, excited about uh, where we're headed next. Uh, we just finished a, a, a relatively long series uh, that we probably never needed to finish. It was the idea of what would it look like to follow Jesus um, to really follow him around. What would it look like if we saw what Jesus did while he was on the planet? And so we spent from Christmas to Easter looking at that. And today we want to start a, a new series. We're not sure how long it's going to go, but looking at what might it look like to follow Jesus and, and uh, see what he said. Uh, before it was, what did Jesus do? But what would it look like if we obeyed what Jesus said or, or rather commanded? Uh, and so just to kind of give you a timeline, after, after Easter and after the resurrection, there's some stuff that happened in the New Testament writers, the eyewitnesses who were there, which is, which is f- phenomenal that we have that, that people who were there, who, who saw it with their own eyes, who wrote it down, said, this is what happened. We testify that this is what happened. It wasn't just one or two. It was many, many who wrote about this. And we have some of their documents today. The New Testament tells us that Jesus actually appeared to over 500 people after he rose from the dead. And Paul said to some of the believers in other towns, go back to Jerusalem. You can meet any one of these 500 people. Many of them are still alive today. And that was his proof uh, text as he was writing to others that something definitely happened. A man truly rose from the dead. Changed lives back then is powerful to change lives even today. Uh, And so Jesus was about to return to heaven and he scheduled one last meeting with his disciples. He said, meet me in Galilee. I have something I want to tell you and show you. And so they met him in Galilee for for this meeting. And Matthew, Matthew, one of the eyewitnesses, he was there. He writes down what happened, and you can read along with me. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up, uh, or you can follow along on the screen. Matthew chapter 28, it's the end of his, uh, the end of his document, the end of his account of, of what he saw and heard Jesus um, do and say. Verse 18, it says this, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. So when you see somebody who dies and rises from the dead, they have authority over everything. If you have authority over death, you have authority over everything. And he, he said it. I have authority over everything. That has been proved by my death and resurrection. So since I have all that authority, here's what I'm telling you or asking you, not telling you, to do. Therefore, he says, go and make disciples. You guys have been following me for the last three and a half years. Now go make followers, people that are going to follow me of all the nations. He said, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what do I want you to do? I want you to teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you. Say all the commands. All the commands. To obey all the commands. I want you to teach them everything I taught you in three and a half years. I want you to teach them all of that. And be sure of this. He says, I'm with you even to the end of the age. And then he left them. And he didn't leave them alone. He said, just wait, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. I'm going to, and basically, I'm sending me back, but it's going to be different this time. I'm going to live in you rather than be this person that you follow. You'll follow me from, from, from in here. But Jesus said, teach them all the commands I gave you. The interesting thing that I, that, I, that I find is that he didn't give them a list of all the commands after that. He didn't say, okay, here's all the commands that I've given you. Uh, and I think it's probably because most of those, some of those guys may have been like me. You know, you give some men a list of commands to remember, they're not going to remember them past like maybe three. Uh, if I go shopping, um, Beth gives me a, a grocery list. If it's more than three items, I'm like, you have to text me that. You have to write it down because I'm not, I'm not going to remember. You know, uh, it's getting worse. I walked down the stairs the other day to get something. I, walked to, I got to the bottom of the stairs. And I was like, why am I here? 
And I had no idea why I went down there until I went back upstairs. And then I was, oh yeah, that's what I went down there for. And it's not all men, not all men are like this. Uh, my brother-in-law, Kevin, uh, he's the electrician on our house. And so we started months and months and months ago doing the electrical uh, start, starting work. And now we were just finishing it up and we find this wire that we don't know where it goes, what it goes to. Uh, we're like... Uh, there's a switch that doesn't work, but we have no idea like what, what this thing is. We're looking in the room and my brother finally calls my brother-in-law and says, hey, there's this wire, you know, sort of, and a switch. We don't know what it does. He's like, oh yeah, that goes out to the front porch. A, you're going to go over there. You'll find a box in the corner. The siding guys had covered it up, but it was there. And sure enough, we're like, How? he hasn't been here in months and months and months. He works at all these other jobs. How does he remember that? And he just said, that guy, his, his workers said, he remembers everything. And I was like, Man, I hope I haven't wronged him because it's going to be like forever that he remembers everything. Some people have great memories. Others, uh, others do not. And I think you, as you get older, it, it gets worse. Um, uh, for there, well, I'll tell you a story I was reminded of, of a, an elderly couple, definitely older than anybody here. But uh, they went to the doctor because their memories weren't working quite as they, had, uh, as they used to. And the doctor gave them this advice and just simply said, okay, from now on, if there's any details, I want you to write them down. And so they said, okay, no problem. They go home. That night, they're watching TV, and, and uh, the husband says to the wife, would you like a bowl of ice cream? And she's like, you know, I would. I would. Thanks. He's like, okay, I'll go get it. He's like, well, you should probably write that down, she says. He's like, I'm not writing it down. I'm going to get a bowl of ice cream. And she's like, well, I want strawberries on it. He's like, I can remember that. Bowl of ice cream and strawberries. She's like, no, you probably should write it down. The doctor said. He's like, I'm not writing that down. And so as he goes, she's like, and I like whipped cream. He's like, okay, ice cream, strawberries, whipped cream, no problem. She's like, and you should. He's like, don't tell me to write it down. I got this. Goes off. 20 minutes later, he comes back with a plate of bacon and eggs. And he hands it to her, and she's like, I told you to write it down. You forgot the toast. <laughs> so I say that to say this. This morning, writing stuff down helps you remember. And I would encourage you to take some notes this morning because it's not that I want you to remember something. It was Jesus telling them, I want you to remember, you know, and not a long list of commands. I want you to remember one thing. One command, because that's all that they had really been given was one command they would never forget. And just a few, a few weeks earlier, they'd been sitting around a table with Jesus. And that was that night that he gave them the new, new commandment, you know, a new example of serving one another. And then he displayed his incredible love for them by dying on a cross. But as they were sitting at dinner that night, John, another eyewitness who was there, he wrote down what Jesus said. And he said this, John chapter 13, verse 34 says this, so now... Jesus said to them, I'm giving you a new commandment. What is it? Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you should love one another. And he says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. There was a lot of stuff that happened that night. And as he had shared this with them, they left the upper room. And as they're heading to the Garden of Gethsemane, um, John writes it again. John 15, verse 12. And Jesus turns to them and says, hey, you remember what I told you back at the table? Well, this is my commandment, that you love one another in the same way that I loved you. And then just a few verses later and a few footsteps further, he says to them again, hey, this is my command. Love one another. Can you bring that down for a second? Just make that go away. Can you make that slide go away for a second? Do do a test. What was his command? There you go. Love one another. He gave them one command three times. And he says, basically, he's saying, you know what? We did a lot of stuff tonight, fellas. But if you forget everything else, everything I've told you over the past three years, I want you to remember one thing, the most important thing. But have you ever forgotten the most important thing? 
<laughs> it happens to us. We think we're not going to forget the most important thing. Uh, but I, I, there's a numerous times where I've been sent on an errand to pick up some stuff and Beth will be like, okay, but don't worry if you don't get this and this. Just don't forget the milk. And I'll be like, okay, no problem, no problem. And I'll go and get stuff. And I'll be driving into my driveway. And what happens? Oh, shoot, I forgot the milk. Back to Walmart, right? And I thought, man, I can't be the only one who has this problem. So then I kind of Googled it and I found this. And I love it. This woman's worse than me. She's like, her daughter texts, where are you at? And she's like, on my way home from Walmart. She's like, mom, I came with you. Uh, she's like, okay, just let me drop off the food. It's like, mom, she's like, but I have ice cream that might melt. I'll come back for you later, you know? Forgetting the most important thing, it happens. It happens. And this is really the most important thing. And I want to title this series 1A because it's number one and it's, it's, um, it's letter A. It's the most important thing. And those two things stand for something uh, as well. And we're going to see that in a minute. Um, Jesus gave them one all-encompassing command and it just covers everything else he said. If you get this one thing right, everything else works out the way it should. He says, love one another the way I love you. He's telling his disciples that, and he says, and then teach other disciples to do that same thing. All the commands is one command. Love one another the way I love you. On the surface, it seems like a pretty, just a pretty nice sentiment. Just everybody, just love everybody. But if you have children, more than two, and as a parent, and you try and say this to your kids, would everybody just be nice to everybody? That lasts for like 30 seconds. Why? Because there's something in us that doesn't, it's, not, it's just not this normal thing that happens to us that we're just going to love everybody, just going to love everybody. And yet that was Jesus' command. I want you to love one another the way I loved you. And so we're just going to break down that command because what does it mean? What does it mean? Here's, here's a couple thoughts. Love. Jesus talked about love a lot, but he challenged the way people thought about love and who they should love. His most famous talk was a Sermon on the Mount. Matthew writes about it, he said, and really most scholars believe that this wasn't just one sermon. This was kind of his teaching that he taught throughout the three years that he was speaking. Matthew 5 verse 43, it says this, you've heard the law, Jesus was saying, you've heard the law, you've heard what the old covenant says, all all of your sacred scripture texts to the Jewish people. He says, you've heard it said that you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And they're like, yes, yes, we've read that, we've heard that. And then Jesus says in verse 44, but he says, but I say to you, I want you to love your enemies. And they're like, we, we haven't heard that before. You know, love, what do you mean? Like, love your enemies and, and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for the people who are wronging you. So, you know, they, they had had this and, and people would ask questions and be like, Jesus, um, you know, love your neighbor. Okay, who's my neighbor, they would ask. And we've had a couple of weeks ago, we shared the story of the Good Samaritan where Jesus said, anybody that you can help is your neighbor. If you see someone you can help and you're able to help them, that's your neighbor. He says, so, you know, that's the answer to that question. But you know what question they didn't ask him? They never asked Jesus, hey, Jesus, who's our enemy? Because they knew. They saw them every single day as they left their homes and wandered through the streets. They were greeted by faces like this. The Romans, angry Romans. Jesus loved these people. I can just imagine their comments. Jesus, what do you mean? They're not even supposed to be in our country, Jesus. They're not even supposed to be in our land. What do you mean, love them? We're trying to get them out of our country. Have you seen what these people do, Jesus? <laughs> Seriously, do you, do you, my brother hung on a cross. My friend hung on a cross because of these people. They've done the most terrible things to the people that I love, and you want me to love them in return? Jesus, what, 
Yeah, you've heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I'm telling you to love your enemy. He's like, really? For us, you know, we, we don't really have the same kind of enemies in Canada. I mean, some of you think the Boston Bruins are our enemies. <laughs> I, uh, this is probably the closest that it could come to. I, I was at game three uh, in Toronto and riding, that was the one we won. Uh, and that's, I helped. Uh, that's, I'm pretty sure that's why. Um, we came home on the train and we're sitting, I'm sitting on the train. It's a happy train ride. And my buddy and I are sitting across from two drunk Maple Leaf fans. And they're just talking about how they found this poor, unfortunate guy who wore a yellow jacket, not a Bruins jacket, just a yellow jacket to the game. And he was outside at the, at the thing. And they were like, they were just telling us, they cussed him out. They told him off. What, and he's like, why are you doing, like, what are you wearing a yellow jacket for? He's like, my boss gave it to me. Like, well, you shouldn't have worn it. And, and they wanted to fight this guy. And I'm just like, well, that's probably the closest we have to like enemies here in our, in, in our culture. We don't really have this feeling of, of imminent danger from enemies all the time. And we're fortunate for that. But we have people that we don't like. Anybody saw them a week ago at Easter and you won't see them again until Christmas? <laughs> see, it's people that we, we, we have to see every once in a while, but we don't like, and we can find ways to avoid those people. Your smiles tell me more than you know. Uh, we find ways to avoid the people. It's actually, you know, when you think of Jesus' command, love your enemies, it's actually, that one's, that one's kind of easier for us than what's coming next. Because we don't have to see them all the time. If you don't like somebody, like, yeah, okay, I'll be kind to them when I have to, in those moments, whatever. But, but, but I'm not, I don't want to see them. I can avoid them. But Jesus', Jesus command was not just to Rome, not just to the people who are Rome to you, not just to your enemies, but to the ones close to home. And that's the message title this morning is, Wherever You Roam and Close to Home, Love. Wherever you roam, whoever might be your enemies or the ones who are actually in your inner circle, the ones you see all the time, the people you work with, the, the people in your house, you know, your family members, the ones close to home, Jesus' command was love one another. One another. That's what the one A is. One another. The words alalon and that, that phrase, one another, when Jesus said love one another, they're like, okay, we'll love one another. But that one another, actually that word pops up over and over and over again through the New Testament. The New Testament writers keep giving specific examples of how to love one another because we, love just means so many different things to us. You know, how do, like, are you guys loving one another? Some are like, what? I don't know what to do. Do I nod? Do I not? I don't know. Because I think that's the answer. We don't know. Uh, how, how, like, how am I doing with loving one another? You know, can you guys grade me? Like 50, 70? We, we don't really know. How do you know if you're really um, following what Jesus said? How do you know if you're following his commands, if you're really loving one another? I, I, I Googled it, like test to find out if you're loving. And this is what came up. Test finding out if you're in love. You know, do you, do you, love, do you love people? And I thought, well, let's try and see if this works. You know, it, it works for me and my wife, but what about the other people in my home? You know, because they ask questions. I thought, well, what about my father-in-law? You know, do you like hanging out with him? Check. You know, do you think about them all the time? Well, not all the time, but I live in his house, so I do think about him some of the time. And check. And then, do you think they're hot? I'm like, oh, see, it doesn't, doesn't work anymore. You know, I, I don't know if I'm in love with, well, I'm not in love with my father-in-law. I'm pretty convinced of that. But am I loving to my family members? Am I loving to those in my house and my home? And so I did this test and clicked through the things as if it was Beth, and it came up at the end. You are in love. I was like, yes. And then it has this fine print. 
There is no scientific basis to prove these results to be true, so you basically wasted all of your time. I was like, how do you know if you're in love? Wouldn't it be great if there was a test that would just say, okay, here's, here's how you're doing? But for us, most of us think of love and we think of the feelings of love uh, because there is feelings surrounded by that word, attached to that word. There's poetic thoughts. You know, love is like the wind. You can't see it, but you can feel it. You know, and I know some of you are like, yeah, they don't know nothing. But it's, it's true. When we think love, we think of, uh, or tend to think about, about these feelings. And it's like the, the songwriter wrote, you know, the idea of falling in love or falling out of love. It's like feelings, nothing more than. I don't know how that song ever survived the first time it was ever heard. But it's true. Feelings, nothing more than feelings. And, you know, I ask that question, am I loving? Well, sometimes I feel like it. Other times, I'm not sure. Is there a test for that? Well, I'd like to think that I'm a loving person. I'd like to think that, yeah, Jesus, I'm following what you said. Love one another the way that I've loved you. I'd like to think that I'm doing that. And I'm not alone in that. See, back in first century church, there was Jesus followers in a place called Ephesus. Ephesus is modern-day Greece, uh, or modern-day Turkey, sorry. And these people, this is kind of what it looks like now. It's not uh, not that amazing now, but this was an amazing place back in the day. And these people thought that they were loving. They thought that they were following Jesus' command. And then in the book of Revelation, John writes a letter to them and says, you guys think you're loving, but you've actually left your first love. You're, you're not doing what you did at first. You don't love one another. There's that wording. You don't love one another the same. He says, and if you don't get it, if you don't get that fixed, if you don't start loving one another, your church is actually going to disappear. Well, there's proof what happened. They didn't, get it, they didn't get it fixed. They didn't get it figured out. Their church disappeared. And then there was another church in a place called Corinth, which is modern-day Greece, and they thought they were loving. And, and, and Paul wrote to the people who lived in this place, again, another massive trade center. And he wrote to them, and they thought, you know, we're pretty loving, and they thought, we're pretty spiritual. We've got all the gifts, and we've got, like, amazing speakers, and we've got, like, people, amazing musicians, and we're just, we're really spiritual. And he writes to them, he says, yeah, but do you do, you do this out of love? Or are you just... Are you just happy with being, oh, we're Jesus followers, entitled? And then Paul gives us a test. It's not really meant to be a test. It was just a description of what love really is. And uh, as I read it again, I asked myself, how am I doing with this? Because I, I, sometimes we think we're doing pretty good, but how are we really doing? I, I'd invite you to just take the test along with me. No, there's no, there's no score at the end or whatever, but... but this was as I read it through, something I've read at weddings many times. It wasn't, wasn't written for weddings. It was written for, for people as Jesus followers. How are you doing with some of these things? Because when we think about love, what is love? What is love? Paul says here, let me explain what love looks like. It's not a feeling you have. It's an action you do. It's not a feeling you have. It's an action that you do. Well, what action, Paul? He said this, love's patient. Patient. Bravely persevering through the troubles that other people cause you persevering? No, I want like revenge, like make it right. I don't want to, it's their fault. I don't want to persevere under that. Patience, waiting for your wife when you're late for church. Beth chuckled at me this morning. She's like, figures you got to live out your sermon the next day after preaching it last night. (laughs) Patience. You know, I can say I'm loving, but am I patient? Am I kind? Kind. 
You know, it, kindness is, is a mild response when you're provoked to anger. That's the idea of, of showing kindness. And I'm, I thought about it, and the first thing that came to my mind is I listen to my kids kind of every once in a while they fight, and they're fighting in the basement, and I'm like, I like yell at them, like, could you guys just be kind to each other? But, ah, uh, I don't know. Yes, I'm loving, but am I kind? Not jealous, not heated, or boiling over with envy, anger, or hatred. Not proud, not puffed up, not carrying oneself, you know, as, uh, as if you're, you're, you're loftily over other people. Not boastful, maybe those in the other order. Trying to impress others, praising your own embellished attributes. How often do we just want somebody to pat us on the back and we'll start it for them? Be like, hey, I'm pretty good, what do you think? Nobody else does that? Okay, we'll move on. Bearing my soul to you people. Uh, happens to me. More than I would like. You know, as I read, I kept going, not rude. You know, behaving unbecomingly. Does not demand its own way. Me first, my way. This is what I want. You know, James said that every, every argument, every fight that happens between you and someone, is you can basically break it down to this one sentence. I'm not getting what I want. Oh, man. How many, you know, marriages could have benefited from that one thought? Huh. You know, try building a house with two different opinions of what looks cool. I'm so glad she won all of those. <laughs> I'm not become, you know, I'm not getting what I, I want. Love doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. It's not easily angered. And then the Amplified says, even when you're tired, stressed, or with lots going on. true, right? It's like, wow, all of a sudden, love one another just got real personal. It keeps no record of being wronged. You ever find yourself in that place where somebody's ticked you off a little and the, that, that conversation starts here? You're having full-blown blown conversations with them, and they're not even in the room. It's like, yeah, you said that. Well, that hurt me deeply, and the next time I see you, I'm going to tell you this. Oh, you're going to say that, are you? Well, then I got this waiting for you, and it's like, he just goes around and around and around, and they're not even there. He says, love doesn't do that. Love doesn't hold a grudge. It doesn't keep records of wrongs because it realizes I've wronged more than, than, than what's been wronged to me. It doesn't rejoice in injustice. It's not glad when something goes poorly for someone else. You know that person you're jealous of and all of a sudden it's like, oh, their kid failed, failed their driver's test <laughs> figures, you know? And there's a little bit of, nobody says it, but it's just there, that little glint of, hmm. That's not Love. This is love doesn't rejoice in, in injustice, but rejoices in truth. It actually, that word's even a different word, rejoice. It means you actually go and celebrate with them. You got promoted and I didn't? Man, I'm, I'm excited for you. When's the last time you did that? Oh, man, it, it's, it's so much bigger than what we ever care to think about. And then it says a few things that it says never. Love never does, never does some things. So I looked up the Greek word for never, and it just means never. Uh, it never gives up. So what does that mean? It bears all things. It actually protects others and conceals the faults of others. That's what love does. I thought about that. Isn't that dangerous? You know, if, it, if it's like, it's like lying, you know, if somebody does something and you don't tell, it's like, how is that love? And then thought about my accountability group and the guys that I meet with who, you know, they know the secrets of my heart and yet they are there to protect and walk with. And those who I uh, do the same with them, it's like, I know what you're going through, but let's, let's walk with you. I'm not going to blow that out to the whole world, let, but let's take steps together. That's love. 
Love never loses faith. It continues to build trust. It remains hopeful always. It endures through every circumstance. Well, you don't know the circumstance I'm going through. Well, love says, you know what? We're going to remain solid no matter what. Love never fails. It never fails. You know, love, it says true love or love will last forever. What does that mean? Never fails? When you look that up, it means never falls out of. You ever know people, find people, oh, we just fell out of love? <laughs> love, you really can't fall out of what real love is. You just can't because it's not, it has nothing to do with falling into or falling out of. And that word, it says it never falls out of, never falls down from, never falls off of, never falls powerless. In case you don't understand, it never falls. It just does not. It's never without effect. So a TBH moment, as I scored this the other day, prepping for this, I was like, man, I'm doing lousy. Moment after moment after moment, I think, you know what? I can say that, yeah, I love, but I didn't score too high. And the next second, the next second, what floods my mind? All the reasons why I did so poorly. And they had names. That person calls too much. That person just doesn't understand. There's things, you know, or I'm so, it's, it's stressed or it's over busy or whatever. Real love never fails. You know, for, for young people, this would probably be the most important thing you ever hear in a church service. If you wonder about the person that you're, you know, wanting to marry or whatever, you want to get married someday, and you're like, I wonder if they love me. Stop thinking about the feelings and start reading through this list. Are they kind to me? Are they patient? Are they in response to you? And, and, and vice versa. <laughs> Am I patient with them? Am I willing to be? Am I willing to be kind to them? Am I willing to, to, to live out these words? Because that's what love really, really is. And so Jesus' command to his first disciples and every other disciple, every other one who says, call me Christian, I'm going to follow Jesus. He's like, this is my command. Not an option, but be intentional about loving one another about truly loving one another. And so go back to that first night. Jesus is, you know, walking with the disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane. He says this, this is my commandment. Love one another the same way I loved you. Picture them sitting at the table. I love how Andy uh, describes this sometimes. He says people, like Jesus sitting at the table. Can you picture it? Maybe not. Well, here, you can picture it. Here, Jesus sitting at a table and saying to the fellas, fellas, I want you to love one another the way I love you. Maybe he looks around the table and says, Matthew, Matthew, remember, remember where you were when I found you? Matthew's probably like, yeah, I was in the tax collector's booth. Uh-huh. You know, all the other guys didn't want you to come with us. You know what they said about you? They think you're scum. They think you're like a traitor, Matthew. That everybody says, you know, that you're worse than a sinner. He's like, I know, I know, I know. They wanted you out. Peter for sure didn't want you to come along. But what happened? I invited you in. So Matthew... Would you love like that? Would you love like that? The way that I loved you. And maybe Nathaniel, he's like, Nathaniel, remember the day we first met? Nathaniel's like, yeah, I hope you forget. No, I don't forget. You were prejudiced against my whole part of the country. You were judging us for, you know, for things because from Nazareth. Remember your comment? I think it went something like, uh, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Nathaniel's like, yeah, yeah, okay, I remember. Jesus could have said, you know, I could have been offended by you. I could have been offended by your prejudice, but, but I wasn't. Why? Because I love you more than that. And so I invited you in. Nathaniel, will, will you go love like that? When people are prejudiced against you or when you feel prejudiced, would you go love like that? And James and John, <laughs> the mama's boys, 
You sent your mom to ask me if you could be number one and two in my kingdom. Feels, feelings of entitlement. You know, you're not going to earn those spots. You think you deserve them. There were millennials back in Jesus' posse. <laughs> and he says to them, fellas, I, you know, I gave you the nickname Sons of Thunder because you guys fight so much. You're a bunch of hotheads and anger. You need anger management, but did I kick you out? No, no, I walked with you and I taught you. And yeah, you had some struggles, but we walked through that. Would you love like that? And Simon, Simon the Zealot, you're so passionate about, you know, Israel. And when we first met you, you just wanted to kill everybody that had nothing to do with Israel. You know, you, any, anybody who was like for Rome or helped Rome, you wanted them dead. Remember what I did with you? Simon's like, yeah. You put me in a small group with Matthew, the one who works for Rome. Yeah. Would you love like that? And what about the women? Fellas, remember Mary Magdalene? Yeah. Cast seven demons out of her. Talk about someone who had mental health issues. He's like, what did we do with her? Yeah, you invited her along. Exactly. Would you guys love like that? And Peter. Oh, Peter. Where do we even start with Peter? Peter, you say things you shouldn't say. You do things you shouldn't do. You do things without thinking. Peter, actually, you're going to abandon me. I thought we were like BFFs, but I know what's about to happen later on tonight. You're going to leave me in my worst moment. And then you're going to deny that you even know me. But Peter, just so you know, I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to forgive you. You're not going to do it once. You're going to do it three times, but I'm going to restore you. Peter, will you go love like that? And he, see, the thing is, put your own name in it. Because every one of us sits in some of those seats and some of those spots. And Jesus is saying, listen, this is not some ideal. This is personal. This is personal. Would you love like that? See, the thing about Jesus and his disciples, which is good for them and good for us, is he saw them in their current state and he loved them anyway. He saw them in their current state and loved them anyway. You know, for some of them, he challenged them. He challenged some of them to come follow him and just do life differently. Hey, you know, Peter, I see the state you're in, but would you come follow me and live life differently, experience life differently? Come, come see how I live. Come see how I love and, and do the same. Others he challenged. You know, the rich young ruler, it wasn't always like, oh, everything's, hey, uh, you know, hunky-dory, just come follow me. Because he loves you enough to reveal stuff in you that's hurting you. To the rich young ruler who said, Jesus, what do I need you to do to be saved? He's like, sell all your stuff. He didn't say it to everyone, but he said it to him. Why? Because your stuff owns you. He says, your stuff owns you. It doesn't own everybody, but it owned this guy. And he, and he said he walked away sad because he was rich. And Jesus says, it says he loved him. He loved him, but he let him walk away. He had given him the invitation at any point, come follow me. To the woman caught in adultery. Everyone else wanted to stone her. What does he say? I forgive you, but go and sin no more. This life is hurting you. Don't carry on that way. Come, come follow me. And that, that type of love, just simply loving people where they're at, that type of love changed their lives. Many of their lives were changed. It still changes lives today. That is the key to changed lives is simply loving people. You like, well, that's not easy. <laughs> Why should we even try? Why should we even try? Here's, here's our closing thoughts. John 15, verse 12. Here's why we should try. He says this, this is my commandment. Number one, if you want to follow Jesus, it requires following. 
So it's, it's this idea, this is not an option. I can't just take the test, fail, and say, nah, well, next test. No, because he called me to that. He called me to be intentional about that. It's a, it's a command. But it's not just a command saying, go out and do this. Because if we try that, we'll do lousy. He says, I want you to realize this. The reason why I think you should do that is because I love you. Realize that you are loved. Living out his command in response to his love in that order. Realizing I am loved so I can love other people. I have been forgiven much, so I owe forgiveness. God has been patient with me so I can be patient with others. He's been kind to me, so I should show kindness to others. It's the idea of, rather like, if you read it the first, this is my commandment, feels like, oh, I have to. If you read, oh, <laughs> well, let's move on to mowing the lawn then. Um, if, you know, it feels like, oh, I have to. Picture it about, you know, mowing the lawn. This kid feels like he has to. This is actually the kid mowing the lawn at the White House. I think he's a Trump or something, but his, you know, this reminded me of me. Back in the day, like, oh, I gotta mow the lawn. I didn't have the safety goggles. No, no, go back. I didn't have, go back, I didn't have the safety goggles, I didn't have the earplugs, I didn't have the gloves, I didn't have the shoes, but this was me, pushing the lawnmower, ugh, just can't wait to get this lawn mowed, maybe if I skip a little bit, I won't have to do as much, just can't wait to get back inside and play Commodore 64. <laughs> Those who don't know what that is, that came just before the switch. But that's, that was me, this is like the, ugh, I have to. Now I picture me in this moment of like, I get to mow the lawn. I can't wait till the lawn grows so that I can go out there and enjoy nature and see the birds and, you know, stop and look at the trees and look for bird nests and, and just enjoy the, you know, the sunshine, work on my tan. And because I'm getting one of those lawnmowers, you know, the ones who does it for you, I just can't wait to mow the lawn. What changed? What changed? Perspective. Perspective. There's, is, there's things that change in our lives when perspective changes. And you know, if we left today saying, oh, you have to go out and love one another. You need to be a church that's more loving. <laughs> we missed the point. We missed the point. And we would do a lousy job trying to be more loving. Because it was never really meant to be about, hey, try to do this. It was about do this because I've done it for you. I get to love others because he loves me. You know, I ask my kids, you have to, you know, kids, I want you to clean your room. Do we have to, Dad? No, you get to. You get to because it doesn't work as well. But I'm hoping this morning, <laughs> I'm hoping this morning that the maturity level is a little higher and we, we get this down here in our heart and our spirit. Leave you with this thought. You know, John, John said it. I, you know, you love others because he loves you. You get to love others because he loves you. And just to think about that for a moment. John was the first person ever to write down and describe God in this way. He wrote, God is love. He doesn't have love. He doesn't try to love. He is love. Well, what does that mean for us? You go back to the test we took. If that's what love is, then that's what God is. So no matter what you realize, God is, is patient with you. God is kind to you. And as I think about it, I thought of those things. He's never given up on me. He never falls out of love for me. He's not easily angered. He doesn't keep record of all my sins and all my wrongs. No, actually, he loved me enough to pay for them for me. <laughs> His love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. His love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. Someone should write a song. That, those are great lyrics. <laughs> how much does he love me? Sometimes you ask your kids, kids, how, how much do you love your dad? Oh, I And I think God says the same thing to you. Hanging on a cross, Jesus says, I love you.
this much, enough to die for you, enough to pay the debt that you owe, enough to set you free, enough to just give you that opportunity to choose life. I love you this much. And so today I just want to leave you with this challenge, that in every opportunity we have where we have a choice to take that opportunity to choose to love God by loving other people, not just loving people, but realizing we're loving God by loving those people. You know, so when your kids are getting on your nerves, ha, it's an opportunity to love God. When the wife is late, ah, it's an opportunity to love God by loving her. You know, your boss is on your back. (laughs) It's an opportunity to love. Coworkers treating you badly. It's an opportunity to do good to them. Talked with a guy this week at his job. His coworkers were messing with him. And he just took that opportunity to show kindness to them. And he was like, he was amazed. It was like almost like all of a sudden it was like they, they didn't trust me, they didn't like me or whatever. And all of a sudden something, something changed in them. Maybe it's the nosy neighbor. You're like, you know what? I'm tired of you trying to ask everyone else about my business. Why don't you just come over for coffee and we'll talk? Maybe it's the person who calls too much. And you're like, oh, it's them again. Okay, I'm going to answer it this time. Maybe it's bigger, though, because maybe it's the spouse who walked away from the vows that they made to you, the promises that they made to you, or they're not living those promises. You're still together, but they're not living those promises, and you face that every single day in your home. And Jesus' command to you is, listen, I know it's tough, but I love you. I love you so much that I'll give you the strength to love in these situations. I know you want to be angry. I know you want all of these other emotions that rise up. But would you choose patience? Would you choose kindness? Regardless of the outcome, would you choose to love simply because I've loved you? For some of you sitting here this morning, who you've been hurt badly. It's happened in childhood and you still carry it to this day. You hate thinking about it, but it's always there and you know it affects every part of your life. See, the answer to it isn't counseling and the answer to it, it helps. But the answer is deep down saying, you know what? I'm going to forgive. I'm going to one another. I'm going to love one another. I'm going to allow forgiveness because I've been forgiven. Yeah, it's not easy, but it's brilliant. It's brilliant when the healing begins to happen here. You know, that kind of love, it changed the world. It took down an empire of angry Roman rule. And it can change the world again. And I just want to leave you with one last poem from Mother Teresa, which she calls it Love Anyway. And it just goes like this. People are often unreasonable and (laughs) self-centered. They may live in your house. Forgive them anyway. If you're kind, people may accuse you of ulterior motives. Just, Just be kind anyway. If you're honest, people may cheat you. Be honest anyway. If you find happiness, people may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today may be forgotten tomorrow, and you'll have to do it again, but do good anyway. Give the world the best you have. It may never be enough, but give your best anyway, for you see in the end it's between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. See, Jesus' command to us was love one another anyway. Wherever you roam or whoever's your Rome and close to home, my command is that you would love one another and so what if we lived it out for one day? Just today. That, that's, that's my challenge to me. Because I'm like, I'll do this for a year. <laughs> a likely story. But what if? What if with this on our heads and hearts today, what if we just did this for one day? 
What if just intentionally I chose the relationships I know are difficult for me, I'm going to do good to them. I'm going to find a way. The ones that, uh, great, I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm going, to, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be kind. I'm not going to be irritable. I'm going to choose love because, I, because I'm loved. From the moment we wake up to just realize I am loved and out of that love is how I will respond. The people who've treated me bad, the ones I don't like, I'm going to find ways. The ones who are in my small circle, my home, my work, whoever you see today, I'm going to treat them with love today. What if we did 1A for one day? Love one another for one day. Man, what would, what would it look like just for one day? And why do I say that? Because if I did it for one day, one day can turn into one week. One week can turn into a month. One month can turn into a year. But it starts with today. So I challenge you to do something maybe you never do. Take what you learned here this morning and do something with it. Because it's so easy to say, ha, that was funny. There's some funny stuff. I like that joke. I can't wait to tell that old people joke to my, my old people. But would you go today? And if I've offended you today with anything I've said, what a great opportunity for you to love. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word, even when it messes with us. I know that you have our good in mind. I know it. I'm convinced of it. I'm convinced that you are good. Jesus, I, I just want to say thank you for living out, displaying such amazing love for us. Thank you for your incredible sacrifice, incredible life-changing power of your love. Lord, I pray that we see that this morning as being something valuable to share with our world. Help us to live out this command, uh, but not just to live it out for you, but to live it out with you. May we be aware of your presence in our lives, and may that shine through us. Holy Spirit, I, my, my only ask is that you would continue to prick my heart, my mind, and my conscience every time there is an opportunity to show love. God, may you be glorified as a result, because it truly is your love and not mine. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's in your beautiful name I pray. Amen.